This show is part of the RetroZap.com podcast network. Hi, this is Joey. And this is my real voice. I'm serious. <laughs> Today's show brought to you by T Public. Go to the Animaniacast T Public store by going to tpublic.animaniacast.com today. You better do it, or else my voice will be like this forever. Help me. Bye. And welcome, everybody, to episode 80 of the Animaniacast. Some cash, a wad of cash. Ray, a guy who fixes cars. Me, the one who takes out the trash. Far the distance to the stars. So, a word that goes with well. La, a city where we dwell. Tea with honey, it tastes swell. And that brings us back to And welcome once again to the Animaniacast. We are the only podcast out there that's dedicated to the animated television series, Animaniacs. And here we explore the series episode by episode, exploring all the cultural references and gags that we can find. And in the end, we give each episode a Water Tower rating. I am Joey, and joining me are my co-hosts, Nathan. Call me Googie Googly Goop. No, and across and across the country in Georgia, it's Kelly. Hi there. I I would why would I ever call you Googly Googly Goop or whatever? No, it's Googie Googly Goop. I, I don't. I just thought it'd be nice. All right, all right. I'll just call you that boy. Um. <laughs> <laughs> well, how is everybody doing today, Kelly? First of all, we haven't seen you in so well heard you in so long. <laughs> It seems. I know it's been a while. <laughs> well, we we recorded our our few episodes together in a row, and then uh, and then and then you went off to do the Jip parody uh, auditions <laughs> and everything like that. So I'm sure our audience wants to know what, what's the status. Are you going to be on next week? What's going on now? No, I have no idea. I um, I think the audition went pretty well, and um, but they don't give you any kind of feedback and they say that everyone who auditions is put into a pool of potential uh game players and at any point in the next uh, 18 months or so uh you could be called and if you don't get called in those 18 months you are free to try out after that um but if you do get called then they they try to give you about a month's notice to prepare and make travel arrangements and fly out to the studio and do a do a show or hopefully more than one show because you know if you win you get to do it more than once that's right and they do they record over in los angeles is that where it is um yeah or burbank i mean i don't know exactly it's the sony studios so right around there well here's the plan if you get to be on jeopardy win or lose we're gonna we're gonna have an animating cast uh, get together then because nathan's you're, you're just a stone's throw away from burbank right nathan so yeah. Oh, yeah. It'll be easy. It'll be an eight-hour drive for me, but 
<laughs> is Burbank actually a city or is it just more like a suburb of Los Angeles? Both. Both. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you could say when you're in Burbank, you can say you live in Los Angeles or Burbank, just depending yeah. on your, you know, <laughs> how you feel that day. And it, of course, no. is where the Warners live, too. So that's always good. We can go to the Warner. <gasps> we should go on the Warner Brothers tour. That's what we should do. We should do that. Get like all the pictures in front of the water tower. My goodness. That would be amazing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> actually, one of the best places to take a picture of the water tower is actually uh, from Universal Studios. Because you can go on the... There's this big escalator down to the uh, lower levels of Hollywood Studios. And at least, you know, 10 years ago, you could see the the water tower pretty clearly in the distance. And a lot of people just stand and, you know, stand there with the water tower in the distance. Uh, so it's kind of, it's a cool shot there too. So maybe just go to universal studios. I don't know, <laughs> whatever. <laughs> well, before we, before we make our travel arrangements for all that, let's go ahead and talk about uh, the episode that we're going to talk about today, which is episode 80, which features dots entertainment, the girl with the googly goop, and Gunga Dot, as well as a one final Randy Beeman segment before we say goodbye to Colin, and he goes into his house and never comes out again. It's sad. Oh. <laughs> it's sad, really. Uh, but Nathan, tell us, when did this episode first premiere? Oh, boy, Joey. Okay, uh, so this episode premiered on Saturday, February 3rd of 1996, which was just four days after the release of Mega Man X3 on the SNES, it was one day after the release of the Tommy Boy sequel, uh, Black Sheep, and uh, one day after Gene Kelly died at age 83. <laughs> the Tommy Boy sequel. Thank you very much, Nathan. <laughs> Black Sheep is a film that I've never been able to get through the entire way. I think I've seen 50% of it in small chunks. It's just... It's just not that good. But yeah, I know David Spade called it the sequel to Tommy Boy at some point. Yeah, so, yeah. I mean, it's basically, yeah, it's not really. But uh, yeah. <laughs> the, the best part is the, the there's this whole road trip at the end, and it is quite hilarious. It's worth seeing the movie just for that scene. Uh, With the Roads. Roads. And, yes. and the bug was going towards the windshield, and he was like, whoa. Exactly. All that stuff. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe I have seen the whole thing, and I just forgotten. 50 percent of it i don't know it's not the not the best but i do remember gene kelly passing away at this time period because mm-hmm. i was yeah. such a big uh you know singing in the rain fan and everything so that was a huge and how old was he 83 you said 83 wow so he was he, he lived a pretty good life there it was pretty long but he was on the muppets of course yeah <laughs> i knew with kelly that's how i knew who he was exactly i was like he was on the muppets uh that's how kelly knows him so i had to make sure i mentioned that too <laughs> i i was waiting to say it myself <laughs> <laughs> well let's go before we get into today's episode though uh we have some very important well animaniacs news to discuss so nathan hit us with the animaniacs news theme song it's the Animaniacs class theme song for the news that Joey's going to sing to us, or just tell it. <laughs> there, yeah, I'll just tell it. <laughs> uh, but thank you, Nathan, very much. So, yep. uh, did you say it's the Animaniacs class news or the anime? Hey, it's all classy here in the <laughs> Animaniacs cast show. 
We're, we're very urbane. Yes, that's very true. How urbane? Okay. <laughs> well, this comes from I, really the the big news uh, in recent Animaniacs reboot land comes from Greg White, and this is from his uh, Tumblr blog page. And uh, on his blog, he puts the cover of episode one, the pilot, which uh, was finished on May 18th, 2018. Writes, it's been just over three months and we've already got the first three scripts finished with a bunch more close to completion. I think we're putting out some great work and everyone involved is talented and lovely. The goal is to maintain the spirit of the original, but to make it exist for today, or 2020, as it were. The sibling and pinky segments in particular, I think, feel like great nods to the original series. And with the sibling segments in particular, the spirit of anarchy remains strong. I think the visual aspect of the show will reflect this as well. The character designs are very similar, but with just a little cleaning up to reflect the present era. Now, this is where I got to put a little bit of a side comment in from me, Joey, because I think when he, this kind of rang a bell that I bet it's going to be flash animation when he says that it's going to be similar, but with a little cleaning up to reflect the the present era. That to me says they're going to standardize the look of the Warners and then Mm -hmm. do that, which I don't know. There's kind of a, good and bad thing about that i mean the good thing is that they always look good they'll be consistent they'll be consistent but um you kind of lose a lot of the dynamic movement i think of these characters i mean i like archer i think that's a really funny show um but it's you know it's like cardboard cutouts in a lot of ways you know moving across the screen the same thing with uh other shows like my little pony and stuff you know they're they really feel flat and um, you don't get those chances, you know, as imperfect as the original Animaniacs was when it comes to animation, they at least were able to move the characters around, you know, 360 degrees. Whether or not they succeeded all the time was another thing, but they could do it, you know? And I don't know if um, they, they're they going to be able to do it that much. Well, maybe they could with some additional computer you know, assistance and everything. But to me, that's slightly disappointing if it's uh, the words cleaning up end up becoming cheaper animation, really, when it comes down to it. That's what I think. Any any thoughts on that, guys? Or uh, Yeah, I, I, I totally agree. I think it's probably going to be some sort of flash animation. And it, I, I don't know. I, I, I do like that it will be consistent, but I am worried that it will be as you say, flat. Mm-hmm. Well, it says it goes on and says, we have the benefit in 2018 of having seen this amazing renaissance of sketch comedy, Key and Peele, Portlandia, and an entire universe of weird, cool, smart animation. So the trick is doing something that takes advantage of our vantage point while making something that is still recognizably Animaniacs. I don't look at our series as a reboot as much as I do a continuation. I hope people like it and find joy in watching it. So, right there, I mean, that sounds cool, <laughs> right? I mean, <laughs> right there, I, I like the idea, like, you know, b- before, you know, Animaniacs was always compared to Rocky and Bullwinkle with its segments and everything. And 
he's bringing up Key and Peel and sketch comedy shows as I, I think he's saying as a kind of a reference point for how the show will sort of be. And I think it's always been kind of sketch comedy in a way, don't you guys think? Sure. Yeah. I mean, it's it, you just change the name of it. It's just it's the same thing. So I'm certain there will be people who love this new version, and I'm equally certain that there will be people who hate it with a passion simply because it exists at all. I don't know what to say for this latter group, but I can say that all the writers are doing great work and everyone involved, from Amblin to Warners to Hulu to the entire production staff, cares deeply about getting this right. A lot of us grew up watching the original series, and so we're not just cavalierly storming in and drastically changing things because we can. We're making Animaniacs for sure, and we're making it for our adult selves as well as future generations who haven't seen the original, as well as everyone in between who loved what the original stood for. Animation production begins very soon, and then we'll really be off to the races. Well, there we go. What are you guys? What are your thoughts, uh, Kelly? Uh, is this promising, or what do you what do you think? I'm not sure yet. I I don't know. I it kind of makes me nervous where he says it. I'm sure people will love it, but I'm also equally sure people will hate it. <laughs> so I mean, he's you can tell he's definitely stealing himself for the haters. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I don't know if they're venturing so far from the original that we love that you know they know it's going to turn people off immediately or you know of course I guess there are people who are upset just because it is being rebooted um so I, I don't know I I really would like to see see the art and you know get a get a better idea of what it's going to look like more so than anything yeah I mean we can assume that it's going to look at least very similar to that teaser poster, right? Uh, with them all jumping out of the water tower shape of Warner Brothers. It would be weird if they decided to change it drastically from that uh, mm-hmm. right there. <laughs> which, which, by the way, that little that uh, thing right there, which shows uh, Yakko, Wacko, and Dot, and Pinky in the Brain, which Pinky in the Brain look exactly on model. Um, but I did see online that uh, Tom Ruger did comment that Wacko's nose is too small in the in the poster, which I thought was which was funny um, and true because I never noticed it before. I was like, oh, you know what? Wacko's nose is a little too small on there. They should have fixed that. Oh well. Um, Nathan, what do you think? Um, I think I'm gonna hate it no matter what. No, uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know. I'll just have to see. It's it's still. It's. I, I'm not gonna get my hopes up too high, though. But um, you know, it's. It it, it might be good. It might not be good. <laughs> <laughs> well said. Uh, well, I I certainly don't think it's gonna be anything as drastic as say the Thundercats reboot that's gonna be coming out shortly. Oh my from, goodness! Yeah. I I didn't think that was serious, and I saw that that, that whoa that some the art I don't. No. Yeah, it's like Adventure Time uh, and uh, Thundercats had a baby, and it came out all wrong. <laughs> it's a, I, I guess I'm just not a, a big fan of you know the so-called modern animation style. Um, I really like I really like the old '80s cartoon style. 
<laughs> yeah. Well, Nate, you've seen that, Nathan? No, I saw the uh, an episode of the reboot reboot. Oh, the reboot of reboot. That's right. I heard. I just saw that recently. That it's live action, isn't it? Yeah. So it's bad. It's really bad. Yeah, I couldn't get through the first episode. Oh, like, nothing like reboot. I I hate it when you can't even get through the first episode of something that you're. I mean, you're granted you're not even necessarily that looking forward to it, but you know, you're like, you know what? I'll I'll push through it. I'll I'll get through it because they never get their their you know. They never get it right necessarily in the first episode. Maybe they'll take mm-hmm. the second or third. But yeah, there's been a few times where I go, okay, I'm done. <laughs> 15 minutes yeah, into I'm a like, new this, show. This show is not going to be good no matter what. Well, like, I, not, at least not what I'm looking for in a show. Well, check out the um, the Thundercats uh, models, Nathan, just to give you an idea. Actually, if you watch the entire... Um, uh, there's a teaser trailer for the Thundercats. Uh, and they go through the Warner Brothers Animation Studio. And they go very quickly by the Animaniacs reboot poster. You can see it. If you look really huh. really quickly, it'll blur past it. Um, but yeah, the, the models look completely different. Um, and I'll tell you, I haven't seen... <laughs> I hate to say it like uh, that nobody seems to like it, but it really seems like nobody seems to like the designs. <laughs> I feel kind of bad for the, the designers, the, the, you know, the animators over there working hard on this... Uh, Thundercats series because it, it seems like the majority of social media has already condemned it to be a failure before it's even premiered, which is sad. Um, in my opinion, that Thundercats show, if it is at least mildly successful, then maybe they'll do a more traditional Thundercats later, you know? Because, uh, you know, you have Teen Titans Go, which is looks very similar to this Thundercats thing, but you also have, you know, normal Batman doing stuff and you can have both you can have both the silly Thundercats and the serious Thundercats uh, and Snarf (laughs) I always like Snarf Snarf Uh, okay whenever my brother and I well well, he mostly had the Thundercats action figures and so we'd we'd play with the action figures and stuff and I always liked to be Snarf just because he was fun to, to talk like that yeah exactly the only one that was, was the easiest one to do a uh, an impression of. I had I love the Thundercats toys. I had the I had Mumra and uh, Lionel, and you could put like this little flashlight thing on the back of their or a little battery pack on the back of their well spine or something, and their eyes would light up. It was so mm-hmm. cool. I loved it. Oh, anyway, <laughs> the good old days. The good old days. Well. Well, speaking of the good old days, let's go ahead and go back to the good old days, and let's get right into our discussion now of Animaniacs episode 80, and let's start with Dots Entertainment. And Dots Entertainment was written by Nicholas Hollander, and it was directed by Charles Vizier. Kelly, tell us uh, what happens here in uh, Dots Entertainment. It's a musical. <laughs> um, they, uh, it's it's like they took a whole bunch of Andrew Lloyd Webber musicals and you know mixed them all together. And uh, even from the opening title, this is Dots Entertainment. It's a play on the uh, Cats theatrical poster. Yes. And, um, it so looks almost it, identical to it. Like not even to the point of like even trying to be like a joke. 
Um, yeah, it just looks it's like really, <laughs> really cool looking. Yeah, and the word dots is written like cats. It's, it just mm-hmm. looks really, yeah, really cool title card. Yeah, so um, so they're in Cats of Phantom Boulevard, and it's a mashup of Cats and Phantom of the Opera and Sunset Boulevard. We're Cats of Phantom Boulevard, oh wow! Now singing, now dancing, now ticket sales and dancing. We're the Cats of Phantom Boulevard. Great, fabulous, splendid singing. Except. Except what? This note, and this note, and this note, and this note, and this note. Your singing stinks! It's Andy Loudwebby instead of Andrew Lloyd Webber, and he's not very happy with the music. And, um, you know, starts pitching a fit. He's having an artistic tantrum. And they're trying to find someone else to be in the musical. And they say, well, what about that girl? And then it goes to die. And, I mean, so then we, like, change, you know, it's it's a big... We go from musicals to now it's, t- like, a TV parody. And, um... What is a parody? That girl, right? That girl, yeah. Which I, which I think, honestly, the most I ever watched of that girl was just the opening, the opening. credits. Yeah, is that the one with Marlo Thomas? Yes. Diamonds, daisies, snowflakes, that girl, chestnuts, rainbows, springtime. Is that girl? She's in But yeah, I, I would only watch. That's. I'm glad they just did the opening credits for uh, that girl because um, I would otherwise I would not get the reference at all. Yeah, yeah, but it seemed to go on a little longer. It did. I mean, it, it lasted for a while. So, um, but then they end up doing parodies of other musicals too. They do Sound of Music, and Webby gets upset because he's like, I didn't even write that one. <laughs> and because um, I believe that I think that was Rogers and Hammerstein. I, yes, we'll say yes. That sounds okay. right to me. <laughs> and um, Evita, which which is Landry Lloyd Webber. Don't shout at us, Mr. Webby, because your show's a flop. When your plays stink, you blame the actors. You know what we think? There are other factors, like the playwright to rewrite and the libretto needs a stiletto and the entire book needs a new cook if you composed it then you dispose it so they you know they do their usual thing where they irritate him and everything and um that's that's really about it yeah they well they at the very end they um Knock some sandbags on him and crush yeah. him, mm-hmm. and then take well, uh, the audience cheers too. It seems like they like. I can't tell if they're cheering because they don't like him or that they do like his music, <laughs> or that just the like whole thing. Yeah, because well, they're they're they start cheering when they start throwing all the scripts in the uh, garbage disposal and turning on the water, and, and they go, "You should rewrite all your plays," and then everyone cheers and. 
and then he thinks they're cheering for him. Oh, yeah, you're right. You, they, we, it did get pretty harsh towards Andrew Andrew Lloyd Webber at the very end, um, with all the, you know, your scripts need rewrites and everything like that. It's it makes me wonder if uh, if any of the writers or you know, like if Nicholas Hollander had any experience working with <laughs> with Andrew Lloyd Webber in the past somehow, or maybe just you know did one of his musicals once either as an actor or you know something like that perhaps who knows um how many andrew lloyd weber plays have you guys actually seen on stage kelly have you seen any of them live i've seen phantom of the opera about three or four times three or four i saw it once on broadway and then of course the movie many times because well my wife loves that movie (laughs) (laughs) and uh i I've seen Fan of the Opera, and I think that's all I've seen yeah. of Andrew Lloyd Webber. Yeah, and then of course I haven't. I'm trying to think if I saw any other of the additional musicals. I mean, uh, Jesus Christ Superstar. I've seen that live, so that's yes, something. Vita the movie. Yeah, Vita the movie. That counts. I've seen part of the movie. <laughs> that counts. Well, he's he's such a you know a prolific uh, uh, composer, you know, of, of these musicals. And uh, still doing stuff today, I think. And yeah, I see him on Comedy Bang Bang every exactly. now. Exactly, I always see him on Comedy Bang Bang on the on on the podcast, which is of course done by Paul F. Tompkins. Lord Weber, welcome back to the show. Scott Trick, be quiet. I'm very excited to be here, bursting at the seams and bursting all my buttons, bursting to the max. I'm very excited that I've made a new musical discovery. A new musical discovery? Yes. You know, I'm a bit of a musical explorer. Oh, really? I've uh, been around the musical world. A Lewis and Clark of sorts. Who? All right. <laughs> if it's ever Paul F. Tompkins doing... Sir Andrew Lloyd. <laughs> yeah. Lord Andrew Lloyd Webber, I believe. It's Lord Sir Lloyd Andrew Lloyd Webber. Something, something along those lines. Speaking of musicals, uh, I'm seeing Hamilton this weekend. Ooh. Well, that should be good. So good. Have you seen it before? No. It is amazing. Like, so good. <laughs> You've seen it a couple times, haven't you, Nathan? I've only seen it once. Uh, my wife seen, has seen it twice, though. So. Oh, wow. It only just started touring, right? Yeah, I think uh, about a year ago. Oh, okay. I knew that. Maybe a little less. Yeah. So, this is his first time in Atlanta, so we managed to snag tickets. Wow. Is that your favorite musical, Nathan? Is the Is Hamilton now? I don't know. It's a very good musical. And if you haven't heard it, you can listen to the whole thing on Spotify. And it's it's like uh, they, they sing the whole time. They sing everything. So <laughs> Should I get, listen to it before I see it? I, it's up to you. I got, like I listened to it multiple times before I heard it. It's all rapping, so it goes pretty quick. There's still a lot of visuals to see, so it's still worth seeing. Um I, I don't know. It's. I mean, I, I don't want I don't want the ending to be spoiled or anything. See, well, <laughs> I I don't know how much you know of history. <laughs> Quite a bit. <laughs> I mean, like, <laughs> don't go back to that commercial from the '90s with the milk, Aaron the milk Burr. commercial. Erwin Burr. Erwin Burr. Burr. Yeah. What was that? Was it like a dentist or what? It was he ate. It was this commercial for Got Milk, and uh, which I always say milk wrong. I always say milk, and it's milk. It drives my wife crazy. Uh, milk. <laughs> I was. She goes. I don't want any milk. I want milk. I'm like, sorry, jeez. Anyway, it was this Got Milk commercial. 
<laughs> and um, the guy like shoved like a brownie or something in his face. And it was like the radio guy says, okay, caller number nine. It's, you know, who killed Alexander Hamilton in a duel? Hello, for $10,000, who shot? Excuse me? I'm afraid your time is almost up. I'm sorry, maybe next time. Got milk. And that was on all the time. And that that commercial is how I knew that for like when when it would come up on Jeopardy and stuff. <laughs> Everybody knew that one. That was if you didn't know if you didn't know who shot Alexander Hamilton after that commercial. It, you know, I, I feel sorry for it because it was on, like I said, all the time, all hours. Whether it was a cartoon or primetime TV, they showed that commercial all the time. Well, anyway, um, so this first cartoon. Uh, what are some moments that you guys really liked about it? This parody of multiple Andrew Lloyd Webber musicals. Nathan, let's start with you. Um, I liked all the parodies of the songs they did. It was a lot of fun. I, I'm, I'm wondering, like, were they supposed to be singing the actual lyrics to these songs? Because I, I mean, even the first song wasn't actual lyrics to any song. But like, he was getting upset when they weren't singing. They were singing about going to the dentist or something instead of whatever the actual song. I came in here and took a seat. He says, don't eat candy, that is sweet. I said to him, my heart is breaking. I chewed some gum and that's the truth. It pulled a feeling from my tooth. And now I feel my back teeth aching. Dental Avenue, painful avenue. Root canal is only the beginning. Toothless Avenue, ruthless avenue. And only my dentist will be grinning. What? That's not in the script. That one, I'll try to. I'll try to look up the, what they were parroting in in that uh, dentist song. I'm I'm gonna guess it's something from Sunset Boulevard, perhaps. Yeah, that's it must be. I've never seen that one. Yeah, that's and the one I'm I knew. The words. There's one from Cats. I knew that right. one, and I and I knew the one from Pan of the. So it must have been from Sunset Boulevard. But yeah, well, I one, don't know what the actual song was. I know the one where Yakko, or sorry, Wacko, is singing about uh, a midnight snack. Is a, a parody of feelings. That's, yeah, from cats. Yeah. Snack time, got a nosh in the midnight. The time is right for a light bite. Gotta eat something tonight. A cookie, a sandwich, a crawler, or Limburger cheese. No more fish balls, if you please. <laughs> Now's the time to dine. That was that was a little you know you could tell okay that's the parody of that but yeah the dentist song hey folks let us know if you uh, if you recognize that uh, tune or at least what it's parodying <laughs> or yeah unless you figured it out and then just play it right here uh, no you didn't figure it out <laughs> I didn't figure it out <laughs> um, <laughs> no Joey in the future could not figure that one out so if you uh, <laughs> can figure it out. Uh, you can just go ahead and let us know. Tweet at us, Facebook at us, uh, or send us an email, animaniacast at retrozap.com. Uh, Kelly, what are some things that you liked about this uh, first cartoon? I also liked the the parodies. I wish I were more familiar with 
Cats and Sunset Boulevard to have recognized the parodies and knew what songs they were based on. Because from Cats, about the only thing I know is memory. Yeah. So, um, or, oh, yeah, memories, not feelings. I see that shows oh. you how, that shows you how much I know about cats. It's like I think it's called feelings, right? No, it's called man. I think you're thinking felines. Oh, there you go. It's about felines. There you go. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's and, um, yeah, go and ahead. I think the the lady in Sunset Boulevard. I think that was supposed to be Glenn Close, right? Because I think she. I don't know if she originated the role in the musical or you know she seemed to i think did it for a very long time maybe i know that sunset you know gosh well the sunset boulevard i know it was a um a movie as well that wasn't a musical i guess right and yeah it's uh, an old movie though. yeah with i'm ready for my close-up mr demille and all that and uh so maybe it was supposed to be a caricature of her or glenn closer I, I i don't know i got the feeling when i saw that woman at the very beginning okay that's a that might be a caricature of somebody. It's just I just don't know who it's supposed to be. Um, anyway, uh, what are some other moments you? Uh, any other moments you guys liked? Uh, I liked when Wacko did his version of the song yeah. of that girl. That was my I, favorite I, part. I think too. <laughs> <laughs> I I, I like the because they already did a parody of that right with uh, you're gonna make it after all. That's, or is that a different show? That's the Mary Tyler. Yeah, Mary okay. Tyler Moore, but that girl and Mary Tyler Moore seem like the same show to me. But I don't know if that's <laughs> well. Definitely, when you watch the theme song, the the opening credits are very similar, right? It's like a girl going, it's a girl walking around the place looking at stuff. That's why <laughs> yeah. Confused and then I was like, why isn't she throwing her hat in the air? <laughs> yeah. Um. But yeah, that's that was probably my favorite. Actually, my favorite part of the wacko thing is the fact that they were started doing the whole. I thought they were going to do the whole long theme song all over again, which I thought that would have been even better, but they cut it a little shorter. Um, I also like the fact that Wacko's kite can't fly as far. He just mm-hmm. he just kind of like droops down while it, whereas Dots kept going up in the air, which I thought was cute. But uh, this is our first one where it really focuses on Dot, which uh, was nice to see. There hasn't been an, a, an episode or a, a segment that really focused as much on Dot as this one has. So that was cool to see her just kind of take the starring role of this episode. So, yeah, mm. I mean, this whole episode is very Dot heavy. So it's, mm-hmm. I think it's only the Randy Beeman segment that's not going to have. Well, yeah, it doesn't have any girls. Dot. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> this way to commercials. Hey, it wasn't my idea. According to legend, General Grievous was known to boast of the number of lightsabers he had acquired from the bodies of his slain Jedi enemies. Grievous was the first in a long tradition of collectors of rare items. A tradition that continues to this day on the RetroZap podcast known as the Dork Lair. Dork Lair. Hey, Robert, why should people listen to another retro gaming podcast? You mean our cast, David? We do have to keep this short, you know. Yes, well, I guess we should start with the fact we celebrate old school video games. And we have awesome guests and game giveaways. Don't forget that. Plus our game show and your favorite segment, Random Select. <sighs> Don't remind me. Are we done yet? Listen to our cast, another retro gaming podcast, part of RetroZap.com. Finally, back to my beer. You want a show? We'll give you a show. Back to Animaniacs. 
Well, let's go ahead and move on to the next segment then. And the next one is called The Girl with a Googly Goop. The censors all protest, caution practically undressed. The cartoon vamp, she's a tramp. Hello, Googie. And The Girl with the Googly Goop was written by Gordon Bresick and Charles M. Howell IV. It was directed by Charles Vizier. Nathan, what happens here in The Girl with the Googly Goop? All right. Well, there's uh, we've got some uh, found footage. Uh, this is from the 1930s of the Warners uh, when they were loaned out to a uh, Googly Goop, Googie Goop cartoon. <laughs> And uh, this is uh, the girl with the googly goop, and this is when she meets Little Red Riding Hood. Like, she's Little Red Riding Hood, and she's going to go see her grandmother. And the Warners are in this 1930s cartoon. Everything's alive, and they're really freaked out. How's that for an entrance? Lovely. I've always wanted to be regurgitated into a cartoon. Me too. Ew, creepy. Everything's alive. Faboo. Yeah, we'd better get with the program. So I guess they're kind of modern day cartoon. It's it's a weird. Usually when they go, we do these found footage. It's they're they're also in that time period, so they don't notice how weird it is that everything's weird. But in this case, they must have time traveled using their. Uh, water tower or something. Uh, oh, so aren't they time lords? They are time lords. So they've gone <laughs> back in time, and now they're like, "Oh, weird! Everything's alive." Uh, and so they run into uh, Googly Goop, who it looks very much like Betty Boop, um, and she is going on her way to the grandmother's. When the censor comes over and says, "Hey, you, this is inappropriate. You shouldn't be dressed like that. Take that dress off." Oh! kissing in these cartoons and entirely no lewd behavior and attire like that outfit for instance take it off this instant oh good night everybody he's like no no you should you should not be like that and then like wacko's like hey she's the girl from googly goop or something like that and then then there's a song which is a lot of fun The way she kisses is uncanny. She ain't nothing like your granny. She's the girl the censors want to banny. Call me Googie, Watch her do her flapper dancing. Her look is totally entrancing. In cartoons, there's no romancing. Just call me Googie, Googly Goop. Heidi, Heidi, Heidi Flies. Heidi, Heidi, Heidi Flies. Heidi, Heidi Lamar. Heidi, Heidi Lamar. Yo, hoody, hoody, men you in. Yo, yo, ma. Yo, yo, ma. And then the moon comes out, and it turns out the sensor is the big bad wolf plot twist. And then uh, <laughs> they, uh, <laughs> the bad wolf takes uh, Googly Goop, and that's that's when they decide they either need to uh, go rescue her, or the cartoon will keep going on forever. So they rescue her from the uh, big bad wolf by throwing food at him. And then when they meet Grandmother, they all wear uh, Betty Boop-like dresses. Never seen a dress so pretty. Cartoon girls are much too flirty. What do you want? It's 1930. Call me Googie. Googie Goop. And then they pop out of the cartoon and into an ink bottle, which I 
I think might happen in Betty Boop. I'm not quite sure. Yeah, but. they had an inkwell that uh, the the you know Betty Boop, and they had this other uh, clown as well. And I'm, uh, the clown's name escapes me, but yeah, the uh, Fleischer cartoons used to do a lot of those, uh, you know, live action mixed with uh, animation uh, things. So that was nice to see. That was probably the highlight of the cartoon for me. It's like, ooh, they did kind of live action, uh, like a real picture with the Warners in it. That's neat. Yeah, was uh, Bimbo her clown friend? Bimbo, that sounds right, yeah. Because Frank Sinatra mentions Bimbo, and I'm like, I don't know. Or it might have been Bimbo, but it might have been Coco the clown. Because I think Bimbo might have been the parody of Coco. You know, whatever. Uh, Yeah, the whole thing is like a a parody slash salute slash making fun of, uh, well, I guess that's a parody. Uh, but Betty Boop, was it just me or did it bother anybody else that her nose was red and that um, that kind of took away from the, the the power of, I don't know, the Yakko, Wacko, and Dot having red noses? And I, is it just me? I mean, shouldn't, shouldn't only the Warners have red noses and not this Betty Boop character? It didn't bother me. Hey, I'm fine. Girl power. <laughs> you could have red noses too. <laughs> okay, well... Whatever then, I, I'll I'll let her have a red nose too then. Because you're who, sounding like those Star Wars haters. I know. No, I don't, no don't, don't don't get me started on those people. Don't, it's don't. been a week. It's been a bad I told week. You. I warned you. Ugh, it's been a bad week. I will say that you know when all this. Not to get off too much of a tangent. Not that we ever do, but, uh, but that's when it's fun. <laughs> There's a bunch of people out there who call themselves Star Wars fans who aren't Star Wars fans. They're just haters and trolls, and they need to go away. They can't. But I mean, people act like this is a new thing. And as someone who used to read all the EU books when they came out and everything else, I mean, this is not a new thing because as long as Star Wars has existed and the internet has existed, there have been horribly rude people. I mean, uh, R.A. Salvatore, or Salvatore, however you pronounce his name, um, got death threats when he killed off Chewbacca. Yeah, it's so ridiculous. It's like just, guys, it really is. As much as I love Star Wars, it is just a movie at the same time. It's okay to be passionate, but yes. I mean, be kind, too. I mean, it, and it's okay not to like stuff, but yeah. just be courteous. And if you don't like it, just, just go find something else you do like. Yeah, exactly. The, yeah, there's other things. Or go back to the original stuff that you do like and just kind of forget about this new stuff. And Yeah. You, yeah, no one says you have to like the new stuff. You can have, you can totally dig the original six films or three films, depending on your yeah. point of view, and just live doing that. And I'll just continue to have fun uh, doing every single Star Wars film there is and having fun with it. And Yeah, it was like, I used to read every single book that came out and you know, some of them multiple times. And now I don't, I mean, I'll read them occasionally, if, you know, pick one up, but it's not, I, they don't really grab me the way that they used to. So I don't usually read them too much. Yeah. And that's okay. I mean, that's I okay. you know, some are better than others and um, maybe some are geared towards a different audience than me, you know, cause some of them are young adult books or, for kids or something. So, I mean, some of them are still enjoyable. I, I there was one young adult book, it's marketed as a young adult, I think, but I, I, it read like an adult novel. Hmm. But, um, but yeah, I mean, not every everything's gonna be for everybody. Some of it's geared towards different ages. Some, you know, maybe for the newer fans, and some for the older fans for nostalgia. I don't know, but 
you know, you don't have to like everything and, and nobody expects you to just be kind. Exactly. It's like you're going to a buffet, you know, there's, 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 I'll just, you can eat this food or you can, you can eat every single thing at the buffet or you can pick just the certain things that you want to eat and then just go with that. It's, it's okay. That's, I went and got lunch at work today and they had like pulled pork sandwich and uh, like brown beans and corn and you had to buy the meal. And I was like, well, I don't. I know I'm not going to eat the beans, so don't even bother giving them to me. And she said, well, I can give you two helpings of the corn. I said, that's perfect. And that was fine. Exactly. So, yeah, you double up on what you love and just ignore what you don't like. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, see, food analogies. That that I can understand. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's go ahead and get into some of the cultural references of this uh, first one. I mean, we it's like we mentioned, it's Charles Fleischer uh, parody going on and obviously Betty Boop and they do have a uh, Mr. Hayes right there, who's a uh, uh, Will Will Hayes, is I believe what he calls himself in the cartoon. The Hayes right? office, right? So they had it, the back in the uh, 1920s to 1922 to nineteen forty five, I believe. Oh, he was the president of the Motion Picture Producers and Distributors of America, and there had happened to be this Hayes Code. Uh, before there was, you know, ratings and stuff on these films, it was kind of like, to, to a certain extent, you could kind of do what you wanted to do. <laughs> and there was some very risque stuff that happened in the early films, including uh, there was even some nudity and things like that, as long as the, the producers could say, well, it was like, it's artistic, you know, it's you could get away with it that way. But the Hayes Code really put a lockdown on what people could and could not show and how they could and could not act. And it was uh, not very popular with the artists of the day, that's for sure. Oh, yeah. Well, you know, being from Georgia, I'm you know, familiar with Gone with the Wind and that movie production. And there was a word that I don't know if I can say on our podcast because it's pretty family friendly. And um, But there's a word at the end of the, the movie that the Hayes office didn't want to allow in. And the producer, I think he paid a fine. And he was really adamant because, it, you know, it's it a very important line and you know, has, um, it lacks the punch if they don't put that word in. And they tried it all different ways mm. and finally ended up getting that line in, you know, mostly as it was written. It wasn't verbatim from the book, but, um, you know, got, got that curse word in. Yeah, exactly. Um, is it, is it frankly, my dear, that line? Y- yeah. So that line right there, we've got to find Yeah, it, it almost didn't make it. it. It was a lot of work to get that one line in the well, my goodness! See, and that is so tame by today's standards. It's it's oh, ridiculous, yeah. just ridiculous. But yeah, well, a very important line. Yeah, they used to be so strict. Yeah. You go. Where shall I go? What shall I do? Frankly, my dear, I don't give it. Googly goop. Well, so yeah, you can see the Will Hayes right here. You know, calling out uh, Betty Boop, and a lot of. Uh, I was looking at a lot of stuff talking about this episode and many people think that the because of the Hayes Act a lot of the Betty Boop cartoons kind of lost their I don't know quality but definitely a lot of their risque bite that was uh, so popular with the character to begin with um, but anyway the the main reference that I could really see was when they were singing this uh, song very similar to the Heidi 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 Ho song hmm. the swing era and uh Yakko sings Heidi 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 Fleiss, which is was a very 
1990s reference in this 1930s cartoon. Heidi Fleiss ran a prostitution ring for like Hollywood. <laughs> it was another reason they're Time Lords. Exactly. So. It's definitely a Time Lord situation. Was in this that point. the one that um, Charlie Sheen was involved yes, in? Yes. Yes. Heidi Fleiss and Charlie Sheen. She was in the black. He was in the black book of Heidi Fleiss, I believe. And, uh, but luckily nothing else, you know, bad happened from Charlie Sheen later on. So he, he, he cleaned himself up and no, I'm kidding. Did you catch the next part of that where they go winning Hedy Lamar? Yes. Yeah, I heard that. Hedy, Hedy Lamar and Hedy Lamar, of course, was, uh, not only, uh, you know, an actress from the, the forties, 30, forties and fifties, but she's also an inventor. She, she invented like a way for, uh, torpedoes to not be tracked, I believe that she she could radar be, radar or something like yeah, that. Yeah, something with radar where it could change the torpedo could change its frequency so that it's it basically could, we have cell phones partially because of her. That's right. So it could change frequencies from one. You can go from one tower to the next or one Wi-Fi signal to the next without uh, without loss of signal or you know much loss of a signal anyway. So thank you, Hedy Lamar, not Hedley Lamar. From Blazing mm-hmm. Saddles, but Hedy. That's what I know more than her, sadly. Yeah. It's like Hedley. Her name was actually, it was actually Hedwig. Oh, Hedwig? <laughs> yeah. Well, I, was, I was going back and looking her up on Wikipedia, and um, I'm like, wow, her name was Hedwig. That just so, sounds like a yeah, Harry I've Potter. I've never known anybody named Hedwig <laughs> other than, I mean, the owl, but. Mm-hmm. And I thought it would be a guy's name at that, so yeah. that's why she's Hedy, I guess. Well, another name they say is Yehudi. Ma- I can't even say it right. Yehudi Menuhin. I can't even say it, but they say it right in the cartoon. Yehudi Menuhin. Uh, and I had no idea who that man was. He was a violinist, considered one of the finest violinists of the 20th century. And oh. uh, I thought they were just saying Ben Yuin, and then he's like, "Yeah, I'm in." <laughs> <laughs> no. I remember the next one that they said. And what's that? Yo-Yo Ma. Yo-Yo Ma. He's still around. He's still doing his, uh, he plays the cello, right? Uh, mm-hmm. yeah. And, and, he, um, has worked several, on several occasions with, um, John Williams. I believe he did, um, Seven Years in Tibet and also Memoirs of a Geisha. And they also performed the piece that John Williams wrote for Obama's inauguration. Wow. Wow. Yeah. So yeah, Yo Yo Ma is still still doing his thing. I, I have a I, I had a CD of Yo Yo Ma and Bobby McFerrin together. It was the neatest uh, co- <laughs> collaboration of sounds I've heard in a while. So yeah. Yo Yo Ma. It's a cool name. Yeah. It's a cool There dude. was a it, <laughs> episode of Seinfeld with Yo Yo Ma. Well, Kramer couldn't listen to Yo Yo Ma's cello without getting a concussion or something i don't know who something what? he had a brain injury and yeah he kept yelling out yo yo ma yeah something like that <laughs> it's a fun thing to say so yeah uh but anyway that's googly goop i mean there's i guess one weird moment i guess at the very beginning of this cartoon i don't know if you guys thought it was weird too where the the words are the censors all protest because she's practically undressed the cartoon vamp and then Dot says, she's a tramp. Hello, Googie. And then Dot is just <laughs> looking mean and <laughs> just upset at, at, uh, at Googly or Googly Goop or whatever her name is. Uh, did you guys think that was a little odd, too, with Dot getting so mad over at the very beginning of this cartoon? Yeah, it's a little strange, but... <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, definitely remind me a lot of Toontown too. Roger Rabbit and uh, and I don't know. It, it was a, it was an interesting cartoon. Kelly, what were some of your favorite uh, some of your favorite moments of this cartoon? Well, like I said, I, I like the the Hedy Lamar and Yo Yo Ma references, um, but I I also thought it was funny how at the end the uh, grandma and Goog, the girl from Googly Goop and uh, Dot, they, they gave her a um, black dress and, and you could hardly even see it because, you know, Dot's body's black, so it yeah. hardly looked like she was wearing anything, which I thought was kind of weird. I mean, it just <laughs> didn't show up on her at all. Yeah. So she's dancing and, um, you know, and it, it, but I thought it was funny since they were talking about the girl being kind of undressed well not wearing the dress looked undressed so uh, that's that's kind of interesting but um and the little dance that they did was was neat <laughs> yeah and and who and who knows why googly goop is like a doggish creature and yet her mom and grandmother are both humans it's a cartoon who cares but still it's it's just weird uh I, again i really wish that uh her nose uh was not red speaking of red noses one of my favorite parts when uh, Yakko's nose was running and uh, mm-hmm. why didn't you take care of that before the cartoon started I did but this place is scaring the you know what's right out of me you don't need to go to the potty yes I do nah in these cartoons the potty comes to you I'm on my way to flushing I know just how he feels <laughs> This is going to be the most frightening six minutes of our lives. I know just how you feel. Hey, my nose is running. Prepare to wipe. He almost had a potty emergency, too. He did, and that has got to be one of the most horrific ideas of don't worry, the bathroom comes to you here. You don't have to go to the bathroom because the bathroom will go to you. When, that's like the most horrific thing idea of having to use a sentient toilet. Like, like no, I would, no. <laughs> I can't potty there. I know. I, I was like, I thought the Flintstones had it bad when they had like an elephant shower, but like an actual walking, talking toilet that you have to use. No, <laughs> I know that sounds horrible. <laughs> Nathan, what about you? Anything that you liked in this cartoon? Um, yeah, I mean, it was just cute seeing everything dancing and moving all the time, like all the houses being alive. It was just, it was a little creepy, but it was, uh, it was fun. Um, I, I, I don't know if there's anything that, uh, I, I like that wasn't already mentioned. So, <laughs> yeah. Well, again, um, the stretchiness. It was, the- I thought it was a nice, yeah. It, and it was a nice twist. I didn't think that the, I didn't know the wolf was going to be the censor. I like that, but. Yeah, because the wolf was at the beginning and then at the end. I don't know. Yeah, it was. <laughs> it looked different too. <laughs> the wolf did lo- had changes in his uh, character design a couple times. It seemed like it didn't quite. The wolf didn't, in my opinion, didn't quite match up with the style of the balloony barnyard animal kind of thing. He looked a little bit more modern. Um, yeah, he probably also warped back with the Warners. Sure, there you go. <laughs> Why the heck not? Again, Nathan, we gotta. It'll have to be. We'll have to get our uh, special time, you know, Lord edition of the Animani cast one of these days uh, of all the ch- all the times where the Warners 
we're really using their water tower as a TARDIS. Mm, because, uh, okay. This is this is definitely one of those opportunities. Yeah, this has to be one because there's clearly two. They're too referential. Yeah, the to the nineties, and it, it's supposed to be in the thirties. Although it was recorded in the thirties, it's it's a it's blowing my it's a, mind, man. There's a weird time zone. Yeah, like it's supposed to take place in nineteen thirty, but it was re- made in nineteen thirty-one. I guess like because they say in the song it's nineteen thirty. <laughs> yeah, well, they show but, the calendars of 30, but I don't think uh, Betty Boop premiered until yeah. after 1930. I think 1932, I think. Yeah, is when... exactly. 1932, I believe, Betty Boop But this premiered. isn't Betty Boop. It's uh, Googly, Googly Goop. Goop. Who came so first? Exactly. Oh. Betty Boop is just a ripoff of Googly Goop. <laughs> All right. Well, let's go ahead and get to our last cart. Well, actually, let's before we get to our last cartoon, we have a Randy Beeman segment. The last one. Hey, this is Colin, voice of Randy Beeman's pal from Animaniacs, and you're listening to the Animaniacast. Okay, bye. And in this uh, Randy Beeman segment, Colin comes out and talks to us all about the time that Randy Beeman's uh, dad told him about, uh, you know, carrots being good for him. So, Randy Beeman's dad, Mr. Beeman, who is smart, said to eat lots of carrots to get to see really good in the dark. And so Randy Beeman ate carrots all the time, and he turned orange. And that's <laughs> that's the end of that. Which I believe you will happen if you yes. do eat too many carrots. You can turn orange, but you would have to eat like an enormous amount, like to the point where why would you keep eating carrots at that point? Yeah, and the the whole. <laughs> well, that's that's a that's a myth. Actually, you do not get good <laughs> sights from eating carrots. Hey, I've never seen a rabbit with glasses, so. Um, Try to prove me wrong, Nathan. Do you know why that that myth exists, why? Joey? Oh, so in uh, in Britain during like World War Two, I believe it was, uh, they had radar, but they didn't want Germans to know that they had radar or something. So uh, they're like, "Oh no, our men just have been eating lots of carrots, so it helps them see at night, and that way they can attack the Nazi bombers." Um, so it was just a, it was oh. a trick, the Germans, and then it just you know it got just got spread. So everyone's like, "Oh yeah, that's that's how those British are so good at shooting Nazis. They they eat their carrots, and then yeah. So if you eat too much carrots, you can get uh, too much beta carotene, and that will turn you orange. So just don't eat don't eat too much. And now we know what you know is the main part of Donald Trump's diet. So there we go. I uh, guess so. It can be toxic too if you eat way too much. I mean, eat, yeah. after you turn orange, if you keep eating it, it it can be deadly. So, so that but it. but that is a uh, one of the first government conspiracies right there with carrots on the side. <laughs> there we go. Or it's a myth. A what? It's a myth. 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 That's a myth. What? Myth. Myth. Yes. Um. Yes, myth. <laughs> okay. Uh, well, anyway, so that, you know, what do you guys think about that? Uh, the last Randy Beeman segment of the show, Kelly, Nathan, what do you think? I don't think Randy Beeman's father was as smart as Colin thinks he is, because he <laughs> says Randy Beeman's dad, Mister Beeman, who is smart, but he didn't know that carrots don't get let you see in the dark, and that they'll turn your boy orange. He didn't know that, so. <laughs> 
uh, I enjoyed it. I, it's the most realistic one. Usually they're all based off of uh, rumors, but this one was like the most realistic one. So I guess it really happened. Uh, Kelly, what about you? Anything? It was cute. Yeah. And uh, he had a bunch of chewing gum that he was really disgustingly putting in his hands and having trouble with. And I think he put it back in his mouth at the end, too, right? So Yeah, I think so. Gross, Colin. Anyway, we'll <laughs> well, we really enjoyed these all these Randy Beeman segments. This is one of the cuter ones, that's for sure. And uh, it's just it's just sad that it's he's gone now. But uh, maybe he'll be back for the new series. Yes, exactly. <laughs> as long as they have the original voice actor. That's exactly. All. I again, I would just like we were talking with uh, Colin Wells back in the back. Of, you know what was that about a year or so ago? Yeah, uh, when uh, when we were talking to Colin and saying how. The time Randy Beeman, what did he say? Like, the time Randy Beeman saved my life in Afghanistan. <laughs> as if Randy, as if uh, Colin would be some uh, a war veteran now. Um, I think that would be a very interesting spin on it. It would be educational or something. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's go ahead and talk about the last segment here today. And that is, uh, well, it's sort of, it's a, it's a poem, really. It's a Gunga Dot. Gunga Dot was written by Randy Rogel, and it was directed by John McClanahan and Rusty Mills. And basically, here in Gunga Dot, it's a it's a parody. It's a yeah, it's a parody of Gunga Din, which was originally originally written by Rudyard Kipling, who of course wrote uh, Ricky Tiki Tavi and the Jungle Book, among other things. And uh, I actually went back and listened to somebody reading. Uh, Gunga Din last night because I was not really familiar with it that much at all other than the ending line. But anyway, in this version, the parody, Gunga Dot, Gunga Dot is uh, kind of like the server. She serves water and drinks to everybody in this, I guess it's kind of like a resort, right? Is this where they're living or all these characters are? Like an oasis. An oasis? Is that what it is? Perhaps? I don't know. But I don't know. That's what uh, Rita and Runt call it. Yeah, okay. Well, they look at the they look at the drink and call it an oasis. But anyway. From Karachi to Botswana, they all tell the story, Buana, of the desert where the ground is burning hot. Of the wind that cracks the stones, where the sun will bleach your bones, and the legend there that's known as Ganga Dot. It was back in 22, we were west of Kathmandu, on the Afghan border headed towards Bombay. We were traveling out of Kari on an elephant safari when I heard the cry. We're out of Perrier! Oh, Flavio, is it true? We're out of Crystal Geyser, too, and all that sparkling water Evian we brought. It isn't right, it isn't nice. We are also out of ice. Come, Come and, and help, help us, please, please Oganga Dot. Basically, if you look at the Animaniacs uh, pay or pay play contracts, <laughs> every one of those characters is in this cartoon. And uh, even like Newt the dog has one line. They brought back Artie Mills to say a line. I'd like a cold, refreshing drink for myself and for a mink. Well, you'll have to stand in line for Gunga Dot. Uh, basically, they're all requesting, they're all ordering, I should say, Dot around the place to give them more water, water in the pool, water to bathe with, water to shave with, water to go surfing in, and it's just driving her crazy. Uh, meanwhile, Pinky and the Brain are in another area of the desert, and they're trying to soak up all the water uh, with a giant sponge. 
they fail and end up uh, getting flooded with even more water when Dot climbs to the top of the water tower, which just happens to be here at this oasis, and floods everything in India, and uh, it eventually creates the Indian Ocean, so everyone gets to sunbathe and the beach. Yes, she pulled that little lever, seemed like water came forever, and there's not a spot, they say, it didn't reach. And after all of that commotion, she had formed the Indian Ocean, where everyone now lounges on the beach. So when beneath a desert sky, if your canteen's running dry, and you need someone who's Johnny on the spot, you can be her clientele. But you better tip me well. You're a better one than we are, Gunga Dot. It's uh, similar to the line, you're a better man than I am Gunga Din, I believe is the original line. Something along those lines. But Gunga Din, the original story is about uh, Gunga Din, this uh, this kind of native uh, Indian who's like there to basically get water to all the British soldiers who are fighting and ends up getting killed at the very end. There was a movie. Spoiler alert. Spoiler. That's a short poem. Uh <laughs> <laughs> um, but there was a movie called Gunga Din, which I had not seen, although I did watch a few minutes of uh, Mr. Magoo cartoon, where Mr. Magoo had a series of uh, cartoons, and I'm, it's escaping my brain right now, but it was uh, him going through pieces of literature and uh, acting them out. And uh, Mr. Magoo died at the end of the, the cartoon. He got shot by the wow. enemy army. And uh, they t- they said the end of the poem right there for Mr. Magoo, Gunga Din, as they had him buried under the ground. So, But it was a cute cartoon. Nathan, what were some of the parts that you thought were kind of nice in this last cartoon of the, today's episode? Uh, it was nice hearing Rita again. Rita, look! It's an oasis! Just be quiet or they'll chase us. Seeing uh, Pinky in the Brain was fun. Two mice about to lunge with a huge, gigantic sponge at the river where the violent waters swirled. All right, Pinky, now we've got her. We'll capture all the water. Then you and I can take over the world. I I didn't quite understand what their plan was to take over the world, but um, and it did not work at all. And no fault of Pinky either. It was all brain doing badly <laughs> yeah yeah exactly it was just a bad idea like why'd you soak up that yeah. much water and put it at the front of a crane that doesn't make much sense for me. but there was what they was were, your goal they were starting <laughs> small you know first you get the water <laughs> we don't know the rest of their plan that could have been just you know we, first we need the water to go take to this other place so that we can put it into something else right so well, you got to do at least the math of figuring out how much load capacity your crane has. <laughs> Brain, come, come on. on. All right. Well, <laughs> well, Kelly, what about you? I I like that the, so many of the characters were back in the, the episode. It had been a while since we've seen Rita and Runt. I mean, I didn't miss the hippos, but it was kind of <laughs> cool, cool to see them again. And... Uh, I I just like uh, I guess the uh, the the way it was animated, you know, the opening shots of the the desert and like the skull on the desert, and it was all very dramatic and cinema cinematic. Mm-hmm. 
I agree. Yeah, yeah. I think the the hip hippos were used uh, in, a, in a proper way too. Just complaining about Perrier, you know. You gotta, you know, use them well to complain about sparkling water. Uh, the good feathers were in it too. I haven't seen them for a while. Um, and yeah, Bernadette Peters had one line. That's what I, I gotta. I wonder yeah. how they recorded this. Like Artie Johnson, I could see like, okay, well, he lives. Like in the L.A. area, you know, like you might have been record. Who knows? You you recorded a lot of different cartoons, so maybe they could just get him in for. Well, you're going to be in the studio over here recording some cartoons here. Can you come over here and record one line? But Bernadette Peters, I mean, she appears later in Wacko's Wish, but she had one line, <laughs> and she hadn't been for a while. So it's kind of like, wow! It it really made me wonder how like how that happened. Um, Seems kind of a waste of time and effort to just have Rita say one line. Mm-hmm. But that's just me. Maybe we'll figure out the answer to that question one of these days. I'll have to get Tom Ruger on again to ask him. Well, it kind of reminded me of the the uh, Quake song. You know how that song starts off? I kept mm-hmm. expecting them to start singing uh, a Quake because it had the same rhyme scheme as the, the early in the morning in the 19, you know, and I, I forget how that song starts. How does that song start? Uh, it was a quiet, peaceful night. The moon mm-hmm. was shining bright. Uh, February of 1990, something like that. But anyway. Yeah. <laughs> and it had the same kind of echo, like, I kept wanting music to start. Well, like. <laughs> you reminded me of one one other cool thing that I really liked, which actually ties us back to something I forgot to mention, which is the variable verse for today was Hunchback of Notre Dame. Hunchback of Notre Dame. And Tony J was the narrator of this cartoon who is plays one of my favorite Disney villains, Count Frollo from The Hunchback of Notre Dame. Such a good animated film. Probably the boldest Disney film they have made in quite a while because mm-hmm. it's in a lot of ways doesn't feel like a kids film. There's a lot of adult themes going on in it. I loved that film. I might have, at the time, not so much today, but at the time, I loved it even more than The Lion King, actually. But uh, I thought it was underappreciated also. Maybe I was just rooting for it too much. But I love that film, and I love Tony Jay's performance in it. He's so, so perfect for that. So love. Yeah, and there's some amazing songs in that one, too. Yeah, yeah. Hellfire is one of my absolute favorite songs. Cut to me... In the late '90s, high, in in high school, just buying the CD and this singing along to Count Frollo, uh, I, I was such a nerd. Good thing I got out of that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, let's go ahead and uh, talk. Let's go and get to our water tower rating. <laughs> So what do you guys think out of five water towers? How many water towers would you give today's episode? Kelly, let's start with you. I think I will give it three and a half. It was a fine episode, but nothing really jumped out and made me laugh hysterically or or anything like that. And the songs weren't terribly memorable, but uh, I did like the mashups of Broadway musicals and, you know, the references to Phantom of the Opera and stuff like that because it is one of my favorite musicals and um, I 
I think I would have enjoyed the Gunga Dot portion better if I had been familiar with the uh, source material. Mm. So, um, yeah, it, three and a half. It was, it was a fine episode. All right. And Nathan, what about you? I also am giving it three and a half water towers because uh, uh, the same as Kelly. I, a lot of it I don't quite know. I only seen Fan of the Opera. And, you know, I, I've never heard Gunga Din, whatever the original one is. <laughs> <laughs> um, but like, and it was all interesting enough. But like, honestly, I don't know how memorable it will be in uh, a week or so. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I'll dip down just a little lower than you guys. I'm going to give it a three, which is, you know, still, it's a good episode. But like you said, I don't really see myself going back to this one anytime soon. It's uh, it's not a bad episode, but it's not a great episode. It's just kind of a, you know, medium episode. It's like, that's good. But you know, move on to the other stuff and <laughs> revisit those in the future. And uh, yeah, so three for me. Well, let's go ahead and get to our poll results from last week or two weeks ago, whatever it was. <laughs> our, the question that we asked was, which of these variant verses is your favorite? And uh, Kelly, Nathan, we're going to have to do a tiebreaker on this one. The choices were Tarzan and Janie, Nova Caney, Meet Mark Twainy, Presidential Campaigny, Tarzan and Janie got 21%. Presidential Campaigny got 23%. Nova Caney got 28 And Meet, Meet Mark Twainy got 28 as well. So we have to do a tiebreaker between Nova Caney and Meet Mark Twainy. Nathan, what do you think is better of those two? Um, I'll vote for Nova Caney. Okay. And Kelly, which one do you think? I also vote for Nova Caney. Ah, ah, <laughs> I was going to say meet Mark Twainy, but Nova Caney is the winner. So <laughs> there you go. Nova Caney, the winner of these variant verses. It's so funny when people like, you know, we ever put a variant verse up, they always go, you know, well, I like chicken chow mein. It's like, well, that one is an old, you have to go back in the archives for these. <laughs> That's why you got to use the hashtag animaniacast poll. So you can search and see if we've already asked that question, because goodness knows I do that a lot. <laughs> well, let's go ahead and get to the question for this week. Nathan, what do we got? All right. So on the episode previous to this one, we had the flame on it, I believe. And that was his last episode. Um, and it may have even been multiple weeks back. I don't remember when we had the flame on last, but uh, I believe it was when he was on uh, Oh Say Can You See. Uh, yes, he did the national episodes. anthem. Yeah, so that was episode 79. Um, and that was his last appearance. So what was your favorite appearance? And instead of saying the episode title, I think we should just say the uh, situations. Does that make sense? Yeah, so, so we can fit it into the thing. And then also people will know what they're voting for. The, so the Declaration of Independence, uh, Paul Revere's Ride, or the Star-Spangled Banner. Right. Which I might be able to fit that in. Who knows? We'll see what happens. Oh. Uh, you, and to, to find out how I shorten that just head over to twitter and uh go to twitter.com slash animaniacast or simply search on twitter for hashtag animaniacast poll you could find that poll make your voice heard and we'll see who uh wins next week well let's go ahead and get to some contact information kelly where can people get in contact with you online i am on twitter at yoda princess y-o-d-a-p-r-n-c-s-s or you can email me, Kelly, at BigShinyRobot.com. All right. And Nathan, what about you? 
I am also on Twitter. I am at DjangoFT, and that is me. All right. And as for the Animaniacast, we are on Facebook. We are on Twitter. We are on Instagram. And, uh, hey, you should all join the Discord group, which is discord.animaniacast.com. You can join the discussion where we talk with other RetroZap hosts of different podcasts and uh, different RetroZap writers. I mean, I don't know. We just talk about stuff that's going along around, like, uh, oh, I don't know, Star Wars movies or Animaniacs merchandise or just whatever you want to talk about. So it's a lot of fun. No haters allowed. It's discord.animaniacast.com. Hey, there's other things I should plug too. Like, I don't know, our survey that's coming up. We're going to be wrapping up our episodes of the of Animaniacs very shortly. So if you go over to survey.animaniacast.com, you can uh, vote and tell us what you think we should talk about in between the episodes of the classic Animaniacs series and the new ones that are coming out in 2020. Should we talk about Pinky and the Brain, Tiny Toons, Freakazoid, or a mix of all three of them? Who knows? Let us know. Nathan, I know you voted. I, I did you. vote. I, saw I your... wrote it on the Discord. <laughs> yeah, and you, I think you even wrote down in the comments, Hi, this is Nathan. I voted, Joey. Hi. <laughs> And I was like, okay, Nathan put his vote in, so you should too. Yeah, I wanted to make sure you knew, because I I, I said I did it on Discord, but then you'd be like, did he actually do it? You know, yeah, I did it. Okay, good. (laughs) So you can do it too. Head over to survey.animaniacast.com. Well, that'll wrap things up for us. So for Nathan and Kelly, this is Joey saying good night, everybody. Good night, everybody. Good night, everybody. This podcast is not endorsed by Warner Brothers or Amblin Entertainment and is intended for entertainment and information purposes only. Animaniacs, the Warner Brothers logo, all names, pictures, and sounds of the Animaniacs characters or any other Animaniacs-related items are registered trademarks and or copyrights of Warner Brothers, Amblin Entertainment, or their respective trademark and copyright holders. All original content of this podcast is the intellectual property of the Animaniacast unless otherwise indicated. That's all!